your life kind of looks like a fairy tale in many different ways. And yesterday I was talking to Wampa because someone told me the story that he told about how you met. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me your perspective <laughs> on the story of how you guys met? <laughs> of course, yeah. So we met at a Mind Valley event at an A-Fest, Cancun, which was I think nearly six years ago. And um, for perspective, I was two weeks out of a five-year relationship. Two weeks. Two weeks. So I had a big plan and my plan involved self-love and self-care and two weeks of being, uh, two years, sorry, of being single, right? And, and I had this whole like very structured plan. I wanted to go to Bali. I wanted to marry myself. I wanted to be with Regan, like, yeah. And then we met, you know, two weeks after that. And so I nearly didn't go to A-Fest and I only went because I met Vision in Malaysia and basically promised him I would go. And so all these reasons came to knock it on the plane. And the one thing that got me there was, was Vision saying like, you have to come, you have to come. And that meeting that I had in Malaysia with Vision, like four months prior to that, he said to me, he said, you know, you have to come to AFES, you're going to meet so many amazing people. It's the best ever. It's such a high level environment. He said, you might even meet the love of your life. <laughs> and I turned around to him at this lunch and I said, I don't want to meet the love of my life. I'm in a relationship because I was at that point in time. And he went, oh, okay, well, let's see. <laughs> and so it was the very last um, moment of the event, basically. We'd, we'd had the closing party and then everyone got on a bus and then there was like a little after party situation at the beach. And I really didn't want to go. I was hanging out with one of my friends, this guy, and he basically convinced me that we should go to the beach just for an hour. And if it was no good, he'll walk, walk me home. I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. And so I turned up there and um, Wampa starts like walking directly towards me. And it felt really crazy. Like I immediately felt this energy and I was with my friend, right? And then the three of us kind of joined and we we're in this three kind of circle and it wasn't even sexual energy or anything but we got lost there for hours it was like breathing looking into each other's eyes sound healing like we were in this vortex and people would come and like try and join in and then be like oh okay I don't know what these guys are doing and naturally leave and we were there until the sun started coming up and I'm not someone who stays out till the sun comes up right and I see the sunrise and I freak out because I remember I have to run a training at 8 a.m online in the morning and I'm like I have to go I'm, I'm leaving I'm grabbing my stuff and he's like wait 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 what's your name and we hadn't even talked. Whoa. I didn't even know what his name was and vice versa. And I'm like, oh, it's Regan. He's like, what's your Facebook, your Instagram? Like, I need to keep in touch with you, <laughs> yeah. right? And so I go back to the room and um, I start winding down and I get a message from him right away. And he's so, like- So at this point, <laughs> when he's saying that stuff, what's, is there any attraction? Is there anything like that there? I'm in an interesting place because my soul knew right away and I could mm. feel that but my mind had so much resistance. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you're your great. your soul is like, yes. Yeah. And your mind's like, no. My mind's like, no. My mind's like, you're great, but not right now. Like, I have my plan, my two-year plan. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so I get this text from him right away. And he's like, wow, like, did you feel that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, do you have a partner right now? And I said, no, not at the moment. And, and he texts me and he said, will you be my girlfriend? I'm like, are we five? Like, <laughs> will you be my girlfriend? And and oh. I was like, what do I do with this? But at the same time, I was like, this is so sweet. Like he's so in his like little boy, mm. you know? 
And I was like, well, maybe we should just get to know each other, you know, a little bit first. <laughs> and apparently on his side, he was going, oh no, how do I like delete, unsend, unsend? Like, why yeah. did I ask that? Like he did it just totally unconsciously. And then when I didn't say no, he was, um, he was happy. So mm. that's where it started. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So you said you were leading a training at 8 a.m. that following morning. Yeah. And this is this is 2016, right? I think so. So yeah. six years ago. Yeah. What type of training were you doing six years ago? That was a training I was running um, to basically grow and scale your personal brand. So it was like a business training. It was a 12-week online course um, to help unlock your message and your voice and your truth and then monetize that and brand it and get it out to the world. Yeah. And... What was the first entrepreneurial thing you ever did? The very first? The very first. Well, the very, very first, I was like eight years old and I started a car washing company. And I started just washing all of the cars in my neighborhood basically, because I went to a, like a very, a very like high level private school. And a lot of those kids got given pocket money, right? And so I went home and I was like, yo, mom, dad, like, where's my pocket money? And they were like, you don't just get handed money. <laughs> like, that's not this family, you know? And my dad said to me, look, you have to create some sort of value if you want to receive money. And and he's like, what could you do? I said, well, I could wash the car. And he said, okay, that's a good start. And then I realized I could wash other people's cars. Mm. And then I hired my brother to help me wash the cars. <laughs> so that was my very first one. But later when I was, you know, 17, 18, I actually started a, um, a rehab and that was my very first company. And I was um, partnered with someone. We were helping people recover from drug and alcohol addictions. And I was helping women specifically At recover. 18. Yeah, from eating disorders. And we were doing it all a natural way with natural therapies and things like that. So that was my very first like venture, basically. Okay. Yeah. I have a lot of questions there. <laughs> so at 18, you were helping people deal with probably the most challenging thing in their life yeah at 18 yeah how why what's your looking back on it i'm sure you have yeah. much more clarity yeah i basically i met this guy who had come out of drugs and alcohol and i ended up having a really deep conversation with him around the addiction patterns and the cycles and the self-abuse and all the things under the surface as to why people go to drugs and alcohol basically and at the same time i was stepping out of and really still claiming my power back at that time of a really deep eating disorder my relationship with food and everything like that was had been really messed up and i was listening to him share these stories about drug and alcohol and and i was i was processing in my own mind and I was like, this is the exact same patterns that I had with food or lack of, with, with, that I had with body image and self-love. And, and it's almost like my addiction was not eating when someone else's addiction was drugs and alcohol, you know? And so he started sharing some of the physical pieces of, as well as, you know, how we stepped into his power and, and came clean basically like vitamin C therapy and all these pieces. And, uh, and then the mental and uh, I guess mindset pieces around that. And so I started saying, well, these are my mental and mindset pieces. So we started building this program together basically. And um, it was in um, New Zealand at first and we started working on that and then everything went really well. And then I moved over to Australia to start expanding that. I was at university at the same time studying to be an architect, fulfilling that quest. Awesome. <laughs> and um, yeah, long story short, that business partnership turned really sour and I basically lost access to the company, lost access to the funds. I got evicted from my apartment overnight. I had $8.70 in my bank account and that guy ended up completely 
running, cutting and taking everything. And I ended up sleeping on my friend's couch, thinking that I was a total failure in business with money, with business partnerships, with all of it. So it was good for about two years and it went really, really sour. And it was one of the biggest lessons of my life. Yeah. Wow. So at 20, that happened to you. Yeah. Wow. And where I, you talked a little bit about the relationship with money and your father in particular on stage the other day, yeah. and how you had to really like separate yourself energetically so that you could become your own thing, right? Yeah. What are your parents saying at this point? You're 20 years old and that happens to you. And you did you tell them? I couldn't even tell them in mm. the beginning, honestly, okay. because um, I feel like they were so worried about me already. <laughs> and especially my mom really wanted me to just go to university and get really good grades and be an architect and have a secure job. That mm. was really her pathway for me at the time. And so even though I was on that pathway, even though I was, you know, diving into personal development and learning these different wealth, you know, strategies, I, I trained to become a Forex trader. I was like up in the middle of the night checking trades, like craziness, mm -hmm. right? I had this company, like I know, I know it was scaring them. My dad was a little bit more okay with it because um, he's run his own company his whole life, an ad agency, very small, you know, three, four staff at, at any given time. Um, so he got it a little bit more, but it was still freaking them out. So when this happened, I, I was living in Melbourne. I had no one to call apart from this one brother of mine who I really trusted. And I, I told him like, this is what's gone down. You know, I've got no cash. I, I have nowhere to go. I'm kind of freaking out. And he's like, you have my couch for as long as you need it. And he literally fed me. He bought me food. I stayed there for, you know, two and a half weeks. And then for the first time and only time ever in my life, I went and got a job because I was so stressed out with money. And I was in this survival place where I couldn't even think about another company, another venture, another business. Like I didn't trust myself anymore. And so I went all the way back to that survival level and I did what I needed to do to create some financial stability so I could breathe, so I could buy my own food, so I could actually focus and then shift out of there. But yeah, my parents didn't know about that till probably about a year later <laughs> once that changed my life a little bit. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. So it sounds like if current or future Regan were to go back and talk to that Regan, which I'm sure she did, what would you say, like, what would be the strategies or the tools that you would share with her now? Yeah, I just remind her that her past or even the current reality at that time doesn't equal the future, you know, because I got really caught up and, and started creating some big stories that, you know, business is going to be hard. I'm, I'm destined to fail. You know, there were some big pieces that kind of were activated at that time that I then caught and, and undid. But yeah, I just remind that vision that it's happening for her to unlock these lessons and these learnings and come into this new state of consciousness. And I see now I really, it was a gift, you know, living through all of that. But at the time it was, it was hectic when you're in the storm. <laughs> yeah. And so going back to the original statement that your life kind of looks like a fairy tale mm. and by all accounts, all the years I've seen you seems quite like a fairy tale in so many ways. There's a part that gets activated in people when they go through extreme failure, right? And that's beautiful. And I like how you use the word unlock. And then there's a part that is really challenged by extreme success, right? Yeah. What would you say are the things that you do on a week to week, month to month, year to year basis to allow even more of this magic, even more of this success in your life. 
Yeah, I spend a lot of time dreaming intentionally, you know, and giving myself permission to dream again, because I think as children, a lot of us shut that down and we're told like, well, you know, don't dream too big or that's not for you or no one in your family's done that. And even the schooling system like kind of cuts this capacity to dream a little bit. So I feel like I had to teach myself to redream again. You know, when I started going to personal development events and they'd be like, what's your vision? I'd be like, I don't know. You know, I didn't have this like grand big vision of this crazy life. I was like, I don't really know what I want. And then I was like, why don't I know what I want? And then I realized I was cutting that capacity. So I spend a lot of time expanding that. And I still do. I spend a lot of time just in like playful curiosity around like, what would this next level look like? What would these next layers look like? What would the next five years or so look like? And not so much around like, how is that going to happen? But What's the frequency of that? What's the state of that? What's the vibration? How do we want to be feeling five years out from now? You know, because if we don't do this, we hit these these unconscious caps and these limitations, right? And, and we hit up against them. And often when that happens in the unconscious realm, it's because our system can't see what's on the other side of where we're at now. So it marks it as a big black hole. It marks it as death, as the unknown, you know? It goes, oh, you, I don't want you to manifest that amount of money because on the other end of that, you might die. And so if you don't show your system, firstly, that you're safe and actually that it's really good on the other side, generally you won't move towards that. So I spend a lot of like intentional conscious creation in, in that zone, yeah. What are some of the craziest things that you've like dreamt of that have then come true over the years? I mean, I think there's a few things. I, I think our, my relationship is one thing for sure. Like, that's so it, it's so okay. So, <laughs> uh, tell, yes, tell me about that. I I feel like that's so hilarious to hear this story of you were like two years, yeah, single Bali, and then, boom, boom, wampa happened. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah. I'm I'm sensing that this is true of a lot of things in your life. Like you'll you'll have a certain timeline that you've set out, yeah, and then it happens so much faster. Yeah, people that know me well know my plans never work. I always have these plans, and I'm like, this in one year, da 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 da, and then spirits like, actually, this now. <laughs> so yeah, it very much was that, and um, my I mean, my plan was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Bali, I'm gonna marry myself, I'm gonna be on this self love journey. But what's interesting is like when that relationship showed up and when I met Wampa, I had so much resistance, like I said, and my mind was going crazy. And um, we actually did a ceremony together, an ayahuasca ceremony, like a month and a half after meeting where I was like, okay, we're friends, that's it. I made it like super clear. I was like, yeah, I'll hang out with you. We even talked about running a retreat together. I was like, yeah, I'll be your business partner. He's like, great, in whatever way we can connect, fine. <laughs> and uh, he invited me to his event in Costa Rica to speak. I was like, okay. And um, I was really busy. I had to go speak in Dallas and do all these things. And so it was a 40 day training. He was running in the jungle. That was when he was really crazy. And he's like, you should come for 40 days. I was like, I'm not going to the jungle for 40 days. Like you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'll come for three and I'll speak and I'll leave. Like it's very simple. And then I actually, I'm in Bali at the, the beginning of the year. And I'm it's January the 1st. I'm tapping into my year and my intentions and everything. And I hear this voice like so loud and clear. You need to go to Costa Rica. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going. I said I was going. And it was so clear. This voice was like, you need to go for 15 days. I was like, 15 days. And I'd learned at this time not to argue with, you know, this layer of guidance and downloads. And so I messaged Wampa and I said, guess what? And he said, you're coming for 15 days, question mark. And I was like, how did you know that? He's like, I don't know. I just felt it. 
said, okay, well, yeah, you just stole my punchline, but yeah, I'm coming for 15 days. And so we go to the jungle and about five days in, there's this ayahuasca ceremony, right? And now I've never sat with medicine before. It's a huge part of my life now, but for me, this was my very first ceremony. And I told him like, okay, I will only do this ceremony if you look after me the whole time. And if you stay next to me the whole time. And he's like, of course, of course. He was like super happy. He's like, I'll look after you. <laughs> I was like, great. And so we're halfway through the ceremony. Now bear in mind, he has like 50 other people to look after, right? He's running an event. And so I have this moment, the medicine's activating and I roll over to ask him something and he's not there. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I look up and he's across the other side of the room helping someone, you know, doing something good. <laughs> but inside with the medicine activating, I'm like, oh, my goodness, no. And all my stuff around men came up. I was like, he's not integral. This is just like my last relationship. Duh, 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 duh. And so I'm like, OK, I'm just I'm going to leave and I can't leave because my physical body won't move. So I roll over on the ground and I just look out at the jungle. I'm looking at the trees and I make an energetic statement that I'm now out of this ceremony. I'm not available for it anymore. Then I hear his voice super loud. Regan, turn around. You can't just tap out of the ceremony. And I'm like, whoa. I roll back over and he's not there. He's still over there. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I, like I said, I'm out of the ceremony. I roll over. I look at the jungle and I'm like looking at the trees. I'm looking at the stars. I hear the voice again, his voice super loud in my head. Regan, turn around. You can't just tap out of the ceremony like this. And I turn around. He's not there. And I say out loud, okay, what is this? Like, I'm hearing your voice, but you're miles away. You're not even here. You promised you'd stay here the whole time. And this voice says to me so clear, his voice in my ear, Regan, just because my physical body is not next to you, what makes you think that I left you? My soul is right here. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and at that moment I was like, okay, great spirit. Just show me who this man is. Show me I'm here. I'm available. And then for hours it went on and on and on. Like every past life together, every contract, every relationship, every mission, every pet, like all of it went on for hours. And the next day he's like, how was your ceremony? And I was like, I can't tell this man that's super obsessed with me, all these things, <laughs> he's going to get like way more obsessed. And I have a two year plan. Right. So I was like, this is, I was like, it was fine. I mean, I saw my spirit animal. There were lots of like white wolves everywhere. It was great. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, Regan, you know, I need to tell you, I saw this and this and this. And he outlined everything that I saw in my ceremony myself. And I just look at him and I start crying. I'm like, I saw it as well. I'm like, what do we do now? <laughs> so that's really where I surrendered, you know, and that's mm. where we officially started. <laughs> did you end up staying longer than 15 days? Yeah, I did. The whole time? I Well, I came towards the end. So the training finished and then he's like, hey, stay longer in Costa Rica. I want to take you here. I want to take you there. And it was amazing. You know, we went to this beautiful beach. It was It was like full honeymoon status. It was so beautiful. But... Towards the end, I was like, what is going on? My mind kept coming in. I was like, my two-year plan. And then I was like, I'm like in this love bubble. I don't know what's mine and what's his. And I was like, I need to go. I need to get out. We're at the airport in Costa Rica. And I'm like, I need to go back to LA. And I just need to like feel myself because I'm getting confused. <laughs> and I have a plan. <laughs> and he literally at the airport tells me like, hey, Regan, I'm here. I'm in 100%. I'm your mountain. I'm your rock. I just want you to know like you're the one and there's no pressure, but I'm here for you. And I was like, great. <laughs> and literally got on the plane and left. And when I got back to my place in LA, I knew 
like when I got back into my own energy and I could really feel what was going on, I was like, yeah, this is right. And this is better than my plan, you know? And so I texted him and I was like, okay, well, I'm in. And if you're in, I'm going to Bali in a week. So I'll see you there. <laughs> Basically gave him a challenge to fly exhausted after 40 days of training from Costa Rica to Bali. And he got on a plane and showed up and We've been together ever since, basically. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> so you're very different people, right? Yes. Here's Wanpa in the jungle, total like shaman man, right? And here's this luxury abundance queen who's like been an entrepreneur since eight years old, right? These two worlds, it couldn't have been completely smooth, the yeah. integration of these worlds. What have been like the primary learnings and, and expansion on your end? Yeah, there's been so much and we've taught each other so much and we still do as well. And um, it was challenging, you know, I would say the first six months or so was, was really challenging. Um, but I know for me at my end, Wampa really helped me activate like this next level of spirituality that my soul was really calling for, you know, and that added deeper layers of depth to my work and my mission and my purpose and my teaching and everything, you know, it riffled through everything. So it was almost like he helped open those doors that I think I would have unlocked at some point, but just a lot faster, you know, and then vice versa with him and business and his relationship with abundance and money and things like that. There were a lot of pieces that massively unlocked for him. So yeah, I think that's like the core of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you spend a lot of time dreaming about mm -hmm. your future and you just mentioned like your mission, your purpose, all of that. What's like the biggest dream that you have now? Like paint that picture for me of like, what is the future of your life look like? And what yeah. are you giving? What are you building? For sure, yeah. It's, it's interesting. We're like really in one of those dreams right now and we're in an interesting place because we're in it and it's happening but there's still a lot to materialize and anchor in the 3D with it. And so one of these dreams um, was not something that I like uh, nurtured for years and my whole life. And I really, really, really want this. And it actually happened during COVID. Um, you know, pre-COVID, we were back to back like 20 countries a year, you know, and it was like plane after plane speaking this, that, like it was full on. And then COVID happened and we found ourselves in Costa Rica and we were like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll stay here. And um, we were in this Airbnb and after like two weeks, it's almost like our nervous systems were addicted to the travel and the movement. After two weeks in this house, I was like, we need to move. We need to go to a new house. And I was like, why? <laughs> There's no need to move. <laughs> but our system was so wired onto this next thing, you know? And then we saw that and we went deeper into it. And then we kind of started breaking these patterns and underneath this was this like really deep yearning to ground more. You know, because for me, I'd been like seven years at that point in time living out of a suitcase. I had like homes in different parts of the world, but I was never in them. And I was full like nomadic basically, like pretty much every single month of the year. And so there was this deep yearning to, to ground. And so we'd been looking for land, you know, on and off in Costa Rica, just to, you know, build a nice simple home somewhere. And we were nearly closing on this piece of land to do that. And then Wampa actually woke up um, at like 4 a.m. out of this like super lucid, crazy dream. And we're about to close on this land. And he's like, we're making a mistake. We shouldn't be getting this piece of land. And I was like, why? What's happening? And he's like, 
there's this whole division and it's like a huge piece of land and there's springs and there's waterfalls and there's fruit trees and it's like the Garden of Eden and it's this and it's ocean views and it's close to the beach and there's rivers and like, and I was like, okay, well that sounds great. But like, we've been looking for land for two years. We've never seen something with all of that. <laughs> so, um, okay, you can go find that if you want. <laughs> I was like, I think you're, honestly, I was like, I think you're dreaming like kind of crazy on this one, you know? And so we call our friend who's helping us with the land in Costa Rica. And he says, guys, this is so crazy. This piece of land came across my desk this morning. It's not even listed. Let's jump in the car and go look at it. And we're like, okay. And so we get in the car and we go look at it. And, uh, you know, we were, it was like maybe eight or nine acres, what we were looking at to build a house, do a little garden, like super sweet, right? And this, this property is like massive, it's huge. And so already I'm like, what, why? We don't, we don't need all this land, like what's going on? We stand on this land and both of us start receiving these visions of like communities and people here and like this whole mission and like so big, right? And I was kind of anti-community, to be honest, because I'd seen all these models of communities, especially in the spiritual world, where they're just inefficient. I would never live there. I was like, okay, I can go for a week, but I'd never like build a home there and, and be there, you know? And so I was like, okay, what is this? And so as we started surrendering to that, we ended up um, having that piece of land and, and coming into guardianship of that land. And the vision kept coming through. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger to really create this space in Costa Rica that is like a heartbeat of ascension that helps people come in. It's called the nest, right? So people come into the nest and they shift and recalibrate and then upgrade themselves and fly out of the nest, right? And so this is like a huge prayer and a huge vision. And we're like in it right now because we're at the beginning and we've just finished the first phase of construction. But in December, we go into construction for the main ascension spa, the biohacking gym, like all the things, you know? So there's still a lot to materialize and come through. And we're still in the beginning, but I think this is like the biggest thing that we're playing with right now. It's like, how do we get to be in full guardianship of these 600 acres, you know, and like protect this jungle and like bring so much of it back to life, but also like create these homes for these beautiful people, you know? How many homes are gonna be on the property? In the first phase, there's space for about 30 families to come in. I'm, I mean, really the land has space for probably a hundred, but we're, we're gonna feel the feel the land and feel the space. Like she's in control. We're committed really to the first 30 and then we're gonna feel it out with the people, yeah. Wow, incredible. So along this whole thing, right? Let me let me kind of take a, a right turn into this whole personal brand yeah. thing. So when you were 18, you started this company helping mm -hmm. people with addiction, and helping them overcome that because you had your own. Yeah. Then you had that falling out with the business partner. Then you took a job. Then you eventually got inspired to do something else. Yeah. So at this, okay. So when I got that job, I was in a place where I was like, okay, I'm going to rediscover Regan. Cause I felt like I didn't even know who Regan was anymore. <laughs> and I was starting to paint a really non-empowering bad picture of Regan in my head. So I was like, okay. And I knew enough at that point to be like, I need to take control over this. So that's when I started going to a lot of events, a lot of different seminars. And the company I was working for was also a personal development company, like a mini version of Mind Valley in Australia, basically. So I was at their events. I, I met Richard Branson. I met Oprah. I, you know, I was just full into opportunities like that. Like they started a media company and I was like, who's going to be your, your host interviewing everyone. They were like, I don't know. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. Like I just threw myself into all these opportunities you know 
And so, um, yeah, naturally, as I started going deeper into all of that, I started shifting my life and I started just activating these different parts, you know, from my health, my relationships, all of it. And people were watching me because I'd had friends and people around me who, who I think had a lot of judgment because I was so young as well. And then when I failed in that business, they were almost like, hi, I told you so, you know, like we knew that was where you were going. And then they saw my life starting to shift and change after that. And they, they felt who I was change ultimately. And people started coming to me and started saying, you know, Regan, how have you done this? How have you done this? And I started just sharing with them totally for free. I'd be like, okay, well in the morning do this and stop doing this and start doing this. And this really helped me and read this book. And I started just sharing everything, right? The weirdest thing happened. People started coming back. Some of them were crying and they'd be like, Regan, you've changed my life. Like, I want to just thank you. This, this, and this, everything's completely different. And I felt the weirdest feeling in my stomach. And I was like, what is this emotion I'm feeling? Because I didn't, I, I didn't understand what it was. And I figured out later, it was a feeling of purpose. I'd never really felt it before, even though I was doing good things. It wasn't like my ultimate purpose and my ultimate truth. And I was like, this is what it really feels like to be of service. If you were to describe that feeling now with so much more experience with yeah. it, how would you describe it for people that are, are wanting that feeling? Yeah, for me, it was like, butterflies in my solar plexus, but being very grounded and like this expansion in my heart and some excitement in there at the same time. Awesome. <laughs> it was like a fusion of all of that. It was overwhelming. I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know this feeling. Like, I'm, it's not happiness. It's not anxious. Like, what is this, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, it happened very organically. And um, when that happened and I was helping these people for free, I was like, I think there's something in this. I think I could actually help people with their lives and with their, with their, whatever they're going through with these tools. I was starting to learn NLP and hypnosis and getting more into the energy side of things as well. And so I never thought that I wanted to become a coach. I never like trained as a life coach, but I put together my first like coaching package to help someone. And they, I, I put together a package where it was a two hour call once a week for 12 weeks and I charged $300 for the entire package, right? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> and this was the best $300 of my life because someone paid it. Mm -hmm. Someone paid it. My very first client, I remember being so happy and at the same time feeling so responsible for their change and their shift and how I got to impact their life. And so then I had another client on the $300 package and then another, another, and it started building up and I was like, I think I need to increase it to 500. And were you still working this other job? <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I was still working this other job um, at the same time. And um, so yeah, I had that. And then I started doing this one-on-one -on -one work and very quickly I started blowing out my time because I didn't have much time because I was in this job as well, right? So all my weekends, all my evenings, all my mornings, all my spare time was this. And I thought to myself, okay, what if I could create some leverage on this? And instead of just working with one person at a time, maybe I could get groups of people and work with groups. And so I thought, well, okay, how would I do this? And you know, meetup.com? I do. Yeah. yeah. So I went on meetup.com. Really? <laughs> yeah. And I started running meetup groups. Now I'm the biggest introvert in the world. So this was like a really hard thing for me to do. I was terrified of public speaking, but I was like, okay, if I want to impact more people, I'm going to start talking to groups. So I would run these um, these free groups and I would have people come in and meet and then I would invite them during that evening to a Wednesday night, like one hour talk for $50 or whatever. And I started doing this and I started running these groups. And from there, I crafted my first two and a half day seminar, which I basically enrolled them in through there. So <laughs> after I'd been on that 
couch and I'd got this job and I started working one-on-one basically a year and a half after that that's when I made my first million dollars and it was through this offline seminar company basically all through meetup.com with barely any advertising costs because you pay I think it was like $20 a month or something to be a meetup host and I was doing everything through meetup nothing through social media nothing through paid marketing nothing I just was really passionate about building communities and I kept going. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. How many people would show up to one of these seminars in that period of time? So when I started, it was really small. I had like five people, seven people, 20 people. It was really little. And um, I, I started I started running different meetups for different things. Like I'd run one for people who just wanted more success in their life, for example. And then I ran one for women, single women, who wanted help with like relationships and love and dating. And that started taking off more and more and more women started showing up until I was running meetups for women like that, free events where I'd tell them to come and, you know, and then invite them to the next layer of it. And we had 2000 people at one of those events showing up. There were people all outside, like this restaurant bar, I told them to meet at. There was over 2000 people that would show up. So these tribes started getting bigger and bigger. And I started, I was living in Melbourne, but I started doing then one in Sydney and then one in Perth and then one in Auckland, New Zealand. And every week I'd travel and fly to a new country. This is after I left the job, right? It was like on the cusp. Like when I started really making money there, I was like, okay, I'm gonna- When 2000 people show up to your seminar, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Exactly. So yeah, it started out like that. And um, I went with the flow with the love and the dating. You know, I was in a relationship at the time. And for me, even at that age, I knew it was an inner game. And I knew there were like specific things that women could do if they wanted to attract an amazing partner. Like what? <laughs> like working themselves from the inside out, you know, recalibrating their belief system, getting rid of all these old fears, all these stories of all the good men have taken. There's no conscious men out there, like all of this, right? And getting into the vibe and like specific, um, yeah, specific like energies they can be in when they go out and when they meet people, how to be perceived as a high value woman. You know, it's funny, I haven't talked about this stuff in so long. It's like my past life, right? And so then I connected with a business partner who was um, doing something really similar but for men and so I'd run these women events he'd run the men events and then we'd put them all in a room together um, like on a bar on a Saturday night and they wouldn't know they were all at a course because you generally don't tell someone like oh I'm single in a dating course right and so we'd fill the room with all these amazing people I've been to so many weddings <laughs> <from this>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow so equivalently I'm curious now with your whole experience so you taught all of that and then years later this whole one paw experience happened. Yeah. Right. And then you met this like incredibly conscious man and even yourself had like the challenges and the, the mental kind of struggle back and forth of like allowing, accepting, receiving, yeah. being, being just open to that. Yeah. If Regan now were to go back and talk to Regan, then what would she say? Regan when? And if Regan right now went mm -hmm. back to that moment in the ayahuasca, Oh, yeah. In the 15 days in Costa Rica, what would she counsel Regan? She'd be then? like, surrender. <laughs> Get out of your head, you know. It'd just be like, listen to your heart. And, um, you know, in between, in between doing all this dating work and then meeting Wampa, I was in a relationship where I was engaged to this guy. We were together, I think, four years or so. 
And looking back, I couldn't really even see it at the time because I was so in it, but it was a super abusive relationship, like emotionally turbulent and intense and crazy. And I really spent a year and a half trying to get out of that relationship. And I'd literally fly to another country and he'd get on a plane and like find me and follow me and like convince me back. And it was super toxic. It was absolutely crazy. And so this was a part of my reasoning for my two-year plan because I was like, I need to heal. I, I, I can't even give to another person right now because I, I really felt and knew I was broken from that relationship. And um, it's interesting because part of what I saw in that ceremony and then part of what I started to lean into was, okay, I can go and like do all my healing myself and then two years later or so be like ready to hold someone. But what if the right person could help me with the healing process, you know? And I was really up front with Wampa in the beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, I know you like feel this and see this, but I'm kind of messed up right now. I told him and I was like, I went through this and this and this and this. And I, I told him the stories and the pieces and, and also my own inner inquiry around why I attracted that relationship. And what is it within me that was vibrating at that level of craziness somewhere in my unconscious, you know, what level within me was like addicted to this trauma in some way, you know? And so I was seeing all of that and he said like, okay, you know, thank you for sharing, but yeah, I agree. It's good to heal all of that, but let's do it together. And he helped me so much in that way. Like my nervous system was shot after that relationship. Someone would shut a door and I'd like freak out, mm -hmm. you know, he'd find me on the couch sometimes just like shaking, shaking because I was in some sort of memory of the trauma from that relationship. And it was, it was stuck in my body, even though I'd done all this mindset to try and clear it, it was still like in my cells and in my nervous system, you know? So he helped me so much in that. Um, and yeah, it was a nice lesson to realize, oh, I don't have to like be the perfect partner to be ready for someone. I can like actually be in this journey together with someone, which actually accelerated the healing. I feel like we did what I would have done in two years in like six months probably, you know? And what was the inner conversation like for you when he was helping you so much for you to feel like worthy of him and all of these beautiful things yeah i feel i feel like we found a really good balance because that was one of the big pieces he supported me with and then there were also like really big pieces for him which i also supported him with you know and um you know he shares this publicly he was like running huge events and fully in service but always kind of just like breaking even financially you know and like I, I met him you know and saw him at the end of this 40-day training and he was exhausted and he pretty much had no money in his account and i couldn't understand it i was like you've just been serving these people for 40 days but he had these like leaky agreements with people and all these people coming for free and this and that and he just wanted to help people you know and so i really helped him like clean a lot of that up and he he was like the the best student, you know, I'd run my mastermind online and, and helping people to scale to their first million or a million to 10. And he'd sit there in the corner listening to me, taking notes. And then every morning he'd get up and I'd be like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing all the tasks from the mastermind. Like he like, it's crazy, you know? And I watched him completely shift his relationship to abundance in every area of his life, like super fast. So to answer your question, I feel like we held each other in these different ways. You know, it wasn't just like, me receiving everything and then feeling out of balance. It was like this really beautiful give and receive and still is, you mm. know? Yeah. Yeah. So I have this theory that I always work with where from, from my perspective, I kind of began my whole professional career at a very high level in the wellness space, mm -hmm. health. 
right? I helped people with injuries and helped people just achieve like a high level of vitality, but particularly injuries to high performance, like that transition. Yeah. And the craziest injuries imaginable, right? And what I noticed over time is that there wasn't necessarily like tasks. There wasn't necessarily like things to do to heal the injury. Like that was great and that mm. would help. But it was definitely, there's an energy to someone who is vital and healthy and alive and well. And there's an energy to someone who's injured. Mm. And while you could do the things that would heal an injury, if you could take on the energy of healing injuries and being alive and well, the injury would heal so much faster or even instantaneously yeah. in many, many scenarios, right? And it's, it's just good to add the 3D stuff to it. Yeah. And my theory is that that's true of all categories of life, right? So like abundance being the same thing, like you get around people that are massively abundant and there is an energy to that. And you can yeah. sort of say like, oh, okay, I recognize like this type of flow in that person. Yeah. And of course, everyone's got like different levels of all of that or gradients, I like to call it. Yeah. With where you're at now and you've been teaching this for such a long time, what are the energetic components that you would say that now, like in this moment and where you're going, you believe about abundance in life? Mm. And then what are the 3D things that you personally do to increase your capacity or um, we'll call it frequency? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. I think my main ones, uh, firstly, we talked about this already, but like giving yourself permission to really dream again, you know, and spending time with that vision and nurturing that vision and, you know, in the 3D, like actually creating a container to do that. Like if that's like 10 minutes in the morning or an hour once a week or whatever that looks like, like really giving yourself permission because it's almost like if someone's not clear where they're going, if they don't like set that pinpoint, they kind of float everywhere, you know? So, so the universe also needs to know like, okay, here's where you're headed. So it can give you the people, the resources, everything it needs to actually support you in that. Um, I think what's really important next is, you know, most people don't necessarily get what they dream about, but we do get what we tolerate. And most people aren't looking at this. They're only looking at the vision piece. And then they're wondering why the vision isn't showing up. But we've got to look at our minimum standard, right? Because we're all living into our minimum standard right now. If someone doesn't know what their minimum standard is, like just look at your life, look at your money, your cash flow, your love, your relationships, like your health, all of it. Like we're living into our minimum. So this is what we're tolerating. So if we want to increase our capacity to receive, we need to increase our level of tolerance. And, you know, you can like with so much love and gratitude be like, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm really grateful that I'm doing $10 million a year and I no longer tolerate that. I'm now raising the bar to here, you know? And so, yeah, you can intentionally define that and play with that. Mm. <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then a really important piece is actually increasing your capacity to receive. So increasing your energetic containers, right? Because money's energy, abundance is energy, whatever you're looking to call in, it's all energy. And so for most people, they can feel this energy, but it's not actually being held in their system, which means it's not embodied, which means it doesn't show up in their life. It just stays in the vision state, right? And so you can do that by actually defining the containers, like whatever it is you're looking to call in, you need these containers. It's not enough to be like, okay, a million dollars a year, but why? Like, where does that money get allocated? What do these containers look like? This much in a savings account, for what purpose? This much contributed to this mission, for what purpose? This much invested back in this company, why? You know, 
And so once people actually start crafting these containers, it, it, you're able to hold the energy. There's reasons for it, but it's not enough just to be like, oh, because that'll be a fun goal. Like, I want that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So your personal practice, is this something that you do on a daily basis or what? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, it looks different every day. Like my personal practice is um, what is my soul desire right now, basically. Mm. And it changes every day is different, you know? And some days I wake up and I'm like, it's my first thing. I like connect with God, spirit, the universe, and then I connect with my soul. And I'm like, okay, what does my soul need? And sometimes my soul needs like total stillness. And I just do that. Sometimes my soul needs like, hmm, okay, I'm present to like this fear coming up or this peace, like let me work on that, let me alchemize that. Sometimes my soul needs to like move my body a lot, sometimes not. Sometimes my soul needs like a really long bath and in that bath I'm like downloading all these pieces of a vision, you know? So it's really different every day. It's not like these seven things and I do them on repeat. Like I'm the biggest rebel. Like if you tell me to do that, I'm never gonna do it. I'm gonna do the opposite, you know? So I don't work well <laughs> with those types of structures where it's like, you have to do this, but I do work really well, like getting excited every day and finding the variety and what like is really nourishing my soul to move my pathway forward yeah and then what are the things that you do like what's your daily practice in your relationship and cultivating building deeper love all of that yeah um it, it's very similar as well it's like what do our souls need now you know mm -hmm. like what do they desire and um it's different sometimes it's like a really short connection of just like dropping in sometimes it's much deeper it's visioning together um sometimes it's like going into like a tantra practice sometimes it's working out together and just like being little kids and having so much fun and like running through the jungle and playing with the dogs and like sometimes it's that you know sometimes it's going to the beach like yeah it's different every single day but definitely every single day there's like intentional connection in some way and it's not like left to the last minute you know yeah beautiful so i'm assuming you've had some pretty clear visions of the nest and like what you see in the mm -hmm. future of it can you paint one of those visions for me like what is an actual moment at your 600 acre yeah 600 acre retreat center in costa rica like, like that. what's that moment <laughs> yeah you know the nest for us is a it's a template it's a it's a new way to be in humanity and we're excited to like anchor it down and lock it down in costa rica and then also have it as a template to be all over the world ultimately you know oh that sounds awesome is <laughs> yeah it, is it do you have a, a brand name for that yet or is it you can't share it oh, it'll be the nest probably it'll be okay. the nest costa rica the nest tulum the nest you know wherever it wants to flow and be in these like energetic portals the heartbeat of it really is um is the ascension spa so this is a fusion of ancestral wisdom with quantum technology basically biohacking for spiritual people <laughs> or people wanting to step into that realm um so we've been really obsessed for years and years like researching and finding the most amazing pieces of technology and working with incredible scientists and geeks and geniuses that like are working with these pieces where some of it we won't even ever be able to put on the internet for like the level of you know some of the tech we have access to and we just actually ran our first retreat at the nest because we've just finished you know the guest casitas and like the mini version of the spa before the main one is built and um yeah, it's a little bit like, okay, cool. Here's this like little microdose. Now we're going to measure your brain waves. Now we scan your auras and your chakras on this computer and we see what's happening. Now breathe this way. Now activate in this. Now do this activation. Now come back, rescan, you know? So it's just really cool to see this like development of our work as well. Cause we've been very, both of us in the kind of in the etherical realm where it's like, 
you do the breath work and you know it's working and you feel different. But now when it can be validated by the science and people are like, oh, it's actually different. Yeah, <laughs> like that computer didn't know what you just did in the middle. It just rescanned you and, and you can see what you're feeling basically. So yeah. Incredible. And then earlier, this is kind of my last real question, then I'll, I'll make sure we can get wrapped up for respect for time. But that feeling of purpose, the butterflies yeah. in your solar plexus, right? the activation in your heart, the the energy and, and that like almost overwhelming feeling of like joy, yeah. right? And like love. If someone is listening to this, hearing that, and they, they haven't had that feeling in a long time or maybe never, mm. what's what's the journey look like? What would you say as modern Regan for the kind of the baby steps to get there? And we can start small. Yeah, just actually the biggest thing you could do even if you just do this it's going to be amazing start feeling that feeling now and you if you're listening and you're like well I've never felt it I don't know what it feels like you never know what a feeling feels like until you start feeling it so what most people do in their life is they do all the things and then they wait for the feeling to show up but really the faster more efficient way to do this in order to bring your results from the future further and faster into the now is to get into the state the feeling the frequency the vibration the emotion first and then it will actually reflect in your 3d physical reality so practically this could look like setting an alarm right set an alarm on your phone ideally once every hour if possible and a nice alarm not like a brah, 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 like a good one right <laughs> and it goes off and when it goes off just close your eyes just for 30 seconds to two minutes no more and just ask yourself, whatever it is you're looking to manifest, like whether it's love, whether it's finances, health, purpose, whatever it is, specific goal, you can close your eyes and just be like, okay, what would it feel like if I had that now? What would it feel like if I was already living into that right now, right? And you close your eyes and feel the feeling and maybe the first few times you don't feel anything, keep going, it will come, right? And then when you start feeling it, tell your system to make that feeling stronger. You can say double that feeling, triple that feeling, breathe into that feeling. And then when, if you feel it start to drop away, just stop, right? It's almost like little pieces and you're building this muscle and the strength of like your frequency and your vibration. And something will happen at some point where these alarms will keep going off and then you'll realize like, oh, I'm already in that state. I'm already like actually in that feeling before the alarm went off and then the alarm will go off again and you'll be like, oh, that thing's already here in my life, right? And then you set a new alarm with a new state, a new frequency and you keep going. But that's like a really practical way to accelerate this and to tap into that. And um, yeah, don't necessarily be like, okay, so I have to feel it in my heart and my soul plexus. Like feel what it feels like for you mm. um, and your own expression of that. Maybe it's like a buzzing in your brain. Maybe it's like feeling grounded in your feet. It could feel totally different for everybody. But however it feels like, be with that and explore it and play with it and yeah, you'll accelerate everything in your life. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I'm getting like this this intuition, this feeling, like if I were to put you on the spot to freestyle like a 30 second, 60 second, like it's in, in my head, it sounds like an, like a, almost like a allowing the fairy tale to be real for you, mm -hmm. like gratitude moment that people could listen to that would allow them to feel the feeling that you just talked about uh -huh. with this like amazing Regan Kiwi slash <laughs> other accent and just feel like that vibe come from you. Like it would be really beautiful. Is that, does that feel like something that? Uh, sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, we can do that for mm-hmm. sure. Because it's it's almost like um, I feel like you live in this state. Uh-huh. Is what I feel from you is like this state where you're like just allowing the fairy tale, mm. and it's and it's so great hearing your stories because it's like oh she's human too. Yeah. There's been lots of fighting the fairy tale <laughs> as well. Yeah, and then always returning back to it and yeah. always returning back to it. So if you were going to create like a 60 second thing for yourself that I could put beautiful music on right now uh-huh. to help yourself remember to live in the fairy tale, what would that sound like? I guess it would sound like the fairy tale is a choice. It's a state. It's a frequency. It's a vibration. And the fairy tale is something that gets cultivated in you and simultaneously downloaded through you directly from source, connection, God, the universe. And living into your fairy tale is really about being bold enough and brave enough to look deeply within yourself and see these parts of you that are not in resonance with this fairy tale. And being bold enough and brave enough to clear them out, shift them, alchemize them, recalibrate them, to allow yourself to return back to the state of who you are, your natural state, your frequency of abundance, your frequency of expansion, the frequency of the purity of your soul and the frequency of your own fairy tale. Because this fairy tale is ultimately your expression of you, your expression of your soul, your expression of the best life ever that you get to actually live. And that's never going to come from outside of you. That comes from this deep inner inquiry and allowing yourself to expand your capacity to receive. And from this place, showing up in the world, walking, talking, thinking, acting, choosing to be from this place. Because we don't get in life what we do, but we do get in life who we choose to be. So choose to be that fairy tale. That's what I'd say to myself. whoa girl (laughs) (laughs) is that what you're after (laughs) fire just dropping the fire oh beautiful okay Mm. so when people fall in love with you and they listen to this on repeat where do they go (laughs) to just start their journey and learn more and go so much deeper with you for sure well you can go to reganhillier.com and i'm super active on all the social platforms that all under Regan Hillier and send me a DM and let me know you came from this show because I'm actually in my DMs and I reply to people, as you know, like, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, it would be just great to hear from you and, and let me know your biggest like breakthroughs and takeaways and share that on your story and tag both of us. That would be super cool. I just, I do this because I love hearing how, what unlocked for you, you know? Ah, so beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so exciting to hear all your dreams and stories. Thank you for having me. Yeah.